All right, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and allow me to read the first couple of verses of Hebrews 12. The title of today's message is called Endurance. And we are called to run with endurance. Endurance means a sustained effort that goes the distance. A sustained effort that goes the distance concerning the race that is set before us. So in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin. No, there's no matter how difficult you think you may have it, you have not yet suffered to the degree that Jesus Christ has suffered. And in the meantime, we are going to continue to raise our hallelujah, and we are going to continue to run with a sustained effort that goes the distance, the race that is set before us. We are to run the race that's set before us. This is emphasizing that each one of us in particular have a course to complete. We, you have a goal to reach, a God-ordained destiny for you to complete, and we are to exert effort in being faithful followers of Christ to the, to the very end. Run with endurance, the race that is set before you. Webster's defines endurance as the ability to bear pain, the ability to bear hardship or adversity, defines it as a lasting quality or duration. The ability to bear pain, hardship, adversity, it's a lasting quality. It has a duration to it. And as, as born-again children of God, the body of Christ, we really uh, need to be stepping up our, our game in the area of endurance. There's far too many people, from my vantage point, from, from my own personal life and from observing my life experiences and just from a, a general observation when I look out over the landscape of the, of the body of Christ, there's far too many people sitting on the sidelines paying too much attention to their wounds rather than being on the field participating and being followers of Christ and, and running the race that's set before them and running it with endurance. It's far too many people that are just sidelined for just a mediocre little stuff. It may seem big to you, but in, in the big picture, it's really not that significant, and you really need to get over it. You really need to get over it. We really need to get over it and get back into the race and run the race with endurance. The psalmist gives us a, a somewhat of a picture of what I think running the race of endurance look like, uh, looks like, and it's found in Psalm 84. There's another one that's also much more familiar, this 23rd Psalm. It says, I will walk through the valley of what? I will fear, and I will fear no evil, right? What are you going to do? You're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death 
I will fear no evil. You notice it says you're going to walk through it. When you get into the valley of shadow of death, you're not supposed to set up camp there. You don't set up camp in the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, you're going to walk through it. You're going to have some difficult days. You're going to have some difficult seasons, but you continue walking through it. That's not a place for you to stop. Also, Psalm 84, beginning at verse 5, says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Now, pilgrimage there is a, any, pilgrimage refers to any long journey. From a religious uh, context, it refers to the pilgrims, you know, making their pilgrimage to a holy shrine or to a holy place for their annual feast, that type of thing. But, so a pilgrimage, again, it's that, it, it's that long journey or that race that is set before us. So notice it says that blessed is the man whose strength is in you. So our strength is in the Lord, our God. Our strength is in the Lord, our God. And it says, and whose heart, the man, the, the man whose strength is in the Lord is blessed, and, and the, the man that's blessed whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Is your heart set on the journey set before you? Is your heart set on the race that has been set before you? Are you having your heart set on it, and are you running with endurance the race that is set before you? It says, whose heart is set on pilgrimage? Your heart needs to be in this. Then verse 6 says, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. But in verse 6, it says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, that in the marginal reference here, that is, uh, that is identified as a place of weeping or a place of bitterness. A place of weeping or a place of bitterness. Yes, we have seasons in life that are bitter. Seasons in life where we'd rather not have to repeat it or if we're in it at the moment, it's not a very pleasant season. We're going, some stuff is coming against us or we're facing some obstacles. Life isn't all that sweet. When you're in that place of bitterness, you know, you kind of envy the people that are smiling and happy and everything's going well for them. They say, how are you doing today? But notice again, just like in Psalm 23, it says, you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here it says, as they pass through. Everyone say, pass through. So whatever season you're in, whatever season of weeping, a season of, a season of bitterness, a valley of the shadow of death, my word to you this morning, a word of encouragement is, know that it's not forever. Know that you are not meant to be in that. That is not your destiny. It's something you're going through, but you're going to come out of it. And you're going to come out of it stronger when you do it the right way, when you do it with endurance by keeping your eyes on the master. So weeping, places of heartbreak, places of bitterness, the valleys of the shadow of death, those different seasons in life are not where we are to be camping out. We are to be passing through. Our, our heart is set on pilgrimage. I'm traveling through. This is not my home. This is not my destiny. I am passing through. Matter of fact, you could relate that to life in general here on earth. This, this earth is not our home. We have an eternal destiny. And we are here as ambassadors 
citizens of heaven, and we are here as ambassadors of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So we need to uh, put, frame things in a proper perspective. Jesus told us in John 16, that in this world you're going to have tests and trials. There, there will be tribulations. There is, things do happen here on the earth. There's an enemy. The God, Satan is the God of this world system. So every moment of every day here on the planet, as long as you're alive here on the earth, know that you know that you're in enemy territory. That's why we're instructed to wear the full armor of God. That's why we're instructed to pray and, and to be wise and not to be ignorant. It's because we are navigating every moment of every day, we are navigating landmines that the enemy has set to destroy us. And know it, it's the enemy that has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So things that are stealing from you, things that are destroying, and things that are killing are not God's intention for you. Say, well, God has me in this for a purpose. No, the devil has you there to try to kill you. I mean, that the bottom line is he's trying to kill you. He wants to take you out. If he can keep you stuck in a place of bitterness, if he can keep you stuck in the valley of the shadow of death, as far as he's concerned, he's winning. But I'm not going to let him win in my life. You're not going to let him win in your life. You're going to set your heart on pilgrimage. You're going to keep moving. You're going to keep putting one foot in front of the other, and you're going to keep reaching, pressing for the goal, the race that is set before you. You're going to continue to run it. Amen? And that's what endurance is, a sustained effort that goes the distance. Sustained effort that goes the distance. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, this verse is familiar to a lot of Christians, uh, in Philippians 4.13, you hear this one quoted a lot. Matter of fact, you hear the first part of it quoted more than the whole thing, but you really want to learn to quote the whole thing. It says, I can do all things through Christ. Many people just stop at that. Well, that's not what Paul promised us. He said, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so the reality is, is we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can, we can sojourn and, and continue on our pilgrimage. We can be passing through the valley of Baca, that place of weeping or misery. Matter of fact, those that have their heart set on their pilgrimage says that we who have our hearts set on our pilgrimage, that we make it, we make the place of weeping, the place of misery, we make it a spring. We make it a spring. The rain's also covered with pools or blessings. In the marginal reference, the word pools there could be blessing. So what happens as born-again children of God, we, we, we go through things in life, but if we keep our face focused on Jesus and recognizing and realizing that, that this uh, difficult situation I'm in right now, this is not something that I'm to be stuck in. I'm not to allow this to sideline me. I'm not to set up camp here in this, va in this, in this valley of misery and, and complain about it and just be miserable about it and just start, you know, complaining constantly. But as I'm walking through it, as my heart is set on pilgrimage, I make it a spring. The rains also come and covers it with pools or covers it with blessings. 
So just know that you know that whatever the enemy brings against you, you can turn it for good. You can make a blessing out of it. You can make a blessing out of it. Amen? And so keep your heart set on God. You have the endurance, the ability to bear adversity. You have a lasting quality about you, and, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So you're blessed. Your strength is in the Lord. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Your heart is set on pilgrimage. It's a long journey, a long journey, and you are passing through you're passing through the, the valley of Baca, that place of weeping or misery. You're not setting up camp. You're passing through with endurance, endurance. So let's uh, take a few moments here, and let's just talk about, uh, go back to Hebrews chapter 12. There's some pointers in there for us concerning getting ready for the race, preparing for the race that is set before us. Even in the natural, if you're going to do any type of athletic competition, there's always a, a certain amount of training that goes into whatever competition you're, you're, you're going to be competing in. So you don't just wake up one day and decide we're going to run a 5K or a marathon. You, know, you, you work on it. You work on it. You don't just wake up one day thinking, well, I'm going to do this great feat. I'm going to climb you know, Pike's Peak, and I never even climbed the pagoda. Yeah. <laughs> You may want to start locally. You might want to walk around Blue Marsh or do something, you know. <laughs> but the idea is, is there, there, some training has to go into it. And the reason I say that is in, in, here in Hebrews chapter 12, it said that uh, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Verse 1 says, let us lay aside. Everyone say, say, lay aside. Lay aside. There's lots of things that need to be put aside if you're going to run the race that is set before you. So it's always good to, uh, to assess where you are in your walk with God, in your pilgrimage. Take a, take a, just have an honest assessment. How am I doing? How am I stewarding my time, my resources? What's, how am I responding to the environment that I'm in? Whether, when I'm with my family, what's my attitude? When I'm with my friends at school, what's my attitude? When I'm, you know, when I'm at my place of work, how am I responding to the pressures of, of my vocation? You know, how am I doing in my environment? And how am I doing with my church, with my walk with God? You know, just take an assessment. Where am I at? And, and be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself, because here we're told that to run the race that's set before us, we, we have to lay aside every weight, every weight. So say it again. Say, lay aside, lay aside. every weight. Every. That doesn't mean some of them, but all of them. All of them. Now, weights in themselves are interesting. If you do any lifting, you know, you can, you can start with a little 5-pound weight or 10 pounds, 25 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds, or you can put several of all of them. You can put a combination of all of the above on your, on, on your bar and you can lift as much as you train yourself to be able to lift, but the idea is that every weight has a significance to it. And the more weight you have, the more resistance there is. Now, when it comes to training and developing your muscles, the more weight you can put on, the better. But we're talking here about that's the training part. But when it comes to the running part, now when it comes time to run, now you shed all that extra stuff. I remember when I first signed up at Gold's Gym about 21 years ago. 
I was in there, one of the machines, I forget what the different machines are called, but one of them, you sit down, you put your arms on a pad, then you, you, you pull up. There's a cable, cable thing, and you, you're, you're to pull up on it like this. And I remember going down there, and the trainer, he put the, what he thought were the appropriate weights for me, and I, I didn't think it seemed like all that much weight when I saw him put it on there, but the idea was I was supposed to do 15 reps. And right before I started lifting, he said, now this is going to be more difficult than you think. He was referring to being difficult because of the number of reps. So when I heard, this is more difficult than you think, I mean, I took everything I had, and I, went, <laughs> and I brought that thing right back, and I gashed my chin. <laughs> I thought, this is a piece of cake. <laughs> but see, that was only one. He didn't say, now take your time, because... You know, when you come up to 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, you know, you come up to 15, it's, it's going to start getting tiresome. But I think, well, this is not that much weight. I can do this. And, I, and then he said, well, this is hard. So I thought, well, if it's hard, I'm going to exert some energy. So again, that's not a smart way to do it either. You don't want to just exert all your energy in, in the first step you take or the first lift or the first pull. You want to learn to run the race with endurance with endurance. If you're going to have a lasting quality, you need to learn how to pace yourself. And so it's always good to, to, to assess and to identify the weights in life that are preventing me from running my race with endurance. And to be honest and to say, all right, this particular event in my life is not adding to my life. It's not helping me run the race that God has for me. My attitude right now toward you fill in the blanks, it's not helping me run my race. It's distracting me. My heart right now, where it's at, is not helping me run my race. It's a, it's a hindrance. I'm not thinking. I'm not meditating on the word. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about all kinds of other negative uh, situations in my mind, my thoughts. And so I need to learn to lay those things aside and, 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 to, and to bring my mind into the obedience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Lay aside any and all things that hinder you. Anxieties and fears, they hinder you from running your race. It's a weight. You say, well, I'm not that worried. Well, you just don't want to go out and run a marathon with a 10, you know, 10 pounds of weight. 10 pounds gets really heavy after a period of time. So you don't want to do that. You don't even want to run a marathon holding a five-pound weight. That even gets heavy after a period of time. So, well, Pastor, it's not that big a deal. Maybe not at the moment, but over time, it becomes a big deal. So deal with it. Get rid of it. Shed it. Lay it aside. Lay it aside. Well, it's not really a sin. I didn't say it was a sin. I'm talking about weights. We didn't get to the sin yet. That's the rest of the sentence. <laughs> We're just getting warmed up here. We're just stretching, getting ready to run. <laughs> So the weights need to be set aside. And many times, it's a, there's a lot of things that accumulate in our lives that, that capture our attention. They, they consume our time and our energy and our resources. Many of them, in and of themselves, are not, they're not wrong. It's not wrong to watch a movie on Netflix. But I personally would have a problem with watching movie after movie, binging on Netflix for the entire weekend. It's not wrong to watch a sporting event, but do you really need to watch four college games on Saturday and three or four NFL games on Sunday and then 
Monday night another one and Thursday night another one. Do, you, do, we, do, do we need that much? And those are just some illustrations. I'm not taking you say, well, Pastor Ray doesn't think we should watch football. I didn't say that. <laughs> as long as you're running your race, but I'm just thinking that might not be running the race to the extent that you could. You may not be pacing as fast as you could if you wouldn't be tied up with, with some of these other things in life that are weighing you down. They're hindering you from doing what you could be doing. Are you following me? And we could meddle here and go into all kinds of different directions. That's not my point. I think you know when you take an assessment of your life, you can identify the things that are hindering you from doing all that you could do in, in, in relationship to what God has called you to do. And that's where you want to be. What has God called me to do? What, what, what's my race that's set before me? And so and that's the race that you want to run. We could have another lesson on that. You know, run your race. Don't be running someone else's race and stay focused and stay in your lane and, and, and keep your eyes on Jesus. So lay aside every weight, verse 1, and, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So the weights, the distractions in life and sin in our lives ensnare us from running the race with endurance. You may think you're getting away with it, but you're not running with the efficiency that you could be running or should be running. And you, this is between you and God. You do the assessing, and you identify the weights and the sins that so easily ensnare you from running the race that's set before you. You do it. Lay aside every weight would be the, the, the first training tip that I would give you. The second one is lay aside the sin. Stop the sin. Again, you know what that is. Anything that's not of faith, you're not doing it with faith in God. You, you, you know it's not right. Put a stop to it. Ask God to forgive you. Repent of it and ask him to forgive you. Make sure your heart's clean so that you can run the race that's set before you. Number three, keep your eyes on Jesus. Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keeping your eyes on Jesus, referring to having a healthy concept of God. When you are running your race in life, it is important that you stay focused any runner knows that while you are running and you are looking back, you are losing momentum. So you always want to stay focused. You always want to keep your eyes on Jesus, your Lord and your Savior. And you say, well, what am I supposed to be looking at? You're supposed to look at the example that he set before us. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He was born in due season. And he came for a very specific purpose, and he stayed focused on that purpose by looking to God, the Father. And he completed his purpose. He was distracted. He was tempted to be distracted. He was tempted in all points, even as we are tempted, yet he never sinned. So he is the perfect example. So you keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Tempted in every way that you could imagine, yet he never yielded to it, 
That's who I want to be looking to. I want to be looking to someone who ran the race, did it successfully, and heard from the Father, well done. This is my beloved son. Well done. And so we can also, we are called to keep our eyes on Jesus. Moses, it says that Moses, and all the things that he was going through, that he endured by looking to him who is invisible. Because Moses kept his eyes on God. A lot of pressure, a lot of opposition, testings, trials. Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, but he didn't yield to him. He tempted him in every way you can imagine, but he didn't yield to him. And he came out of that temptation filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He, came, he went in being tempted, but he came out full of the power of the Spirit. So when you go into the valley of weeping, the valley of misery, you keep on walking. You don't set up camp there and you come out stronger than you went in. Jesus came out stronger. He went through a lot of challenges, a lot of accusations, a lot of trials and tribulations. His own family pretty much disowned him. They didn't believe him. It wasn't until after he finally proved himself by being raised from the dead, they finally thought, this, he may just be who he said he is. <laughs> Prior to that, you know, they pretty much wanted to disown him. They, didn't, they, they weren't by his side when he was at the edge of the town at the cliff and they were going to overthrow him. You know, the Bible doesn't say that they're going to overthrow him. You'd think the scripture would say that he was at the edge of the cliff and, and they wanted to overthrow him, brothers, but his brothers intervened and said, no way, this is my bro. Doesn't say that. Just says he was at the edge of town they were going to throw him over the cliff to try and kill him and he... Just escape from their midst, supernaturally. But you think the family would have been there to protect him. They weren't. But it didn't ruin him. It didn't put him in the valley of Baca, the place of weeping and misery. He didn't stay in the valley of the shadow of death. When he finally did go to the cross, it's because he surrendered himself to it. And when he was buried... In three days, he rose again, which he declared he would. So he's the one we keep our eyes on, tempted in every way. Yes, life can be difficult. It can be right at, right, just, it can be miserable. A place of weeping, a place of misery. But you, a child of God, born again, have the, have the, the, the spirit of Christ living in you, the power of the Holy Spirit abiding in you, you have everything that it takes to endure. You have everything it takes to, to finish the journey that you're on, that pilgrimage. Your heart is set on pilgrimage. Your heart is not, you're not offended. You're not, you haven't taken yourself out of the pilgrimage. You haven't taken yourself out of the game because you didn't feel like you were treated properly or someone didn't meet your expectations. You're laying that aside. Laying it aside and keeping your eyes on Jesus. Now, it's having a healthy concept of God. A healthy concept of God. When you think about keeping your eyes on Jesus, keeping your eyes on God, what do you think? What are your thoughts? 
He loves me. He's for me. He's cheering me on. Or are, are you stuck in that place where I'm in this valley of misery and I don't know why God is doing this to me, but he must have a purpose in it. Oh, stop. Please stop. And if you really believe that, then you wouldn't be so miserable. If you really believe that God has a purpose in it, you'd say, bring it on. I want what you have for me. So people that talk like that, they don't really believe that. They just think that. But I don't believe that, and I don't think that. If ever you're wondering, is this God or is this the devil, just turn to the Gospel of John. Jesus himself said, I have come to bring you life and to bring it to you more abundantly. The thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so if it's stealing, killing, and destroying, I'm not camping there. I'm not camping there. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to pass through. I'm going to pass through that opportunity to be stolen from. I'm going to pass that, up that opportunity to be killed. I'm going to pass up that opportunity to be destroyed and to be stolen from. I'm just not going to receive it. Say, thank you, Jesus. You have come to give me life. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to stay on my pilgrimage. It's a long journey, but I'm going to keep on it. I'm going to keep laying aside everything I need to lay aside. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm not going to be distracted by what people are saying, by what I'm feeling. I'm going to keep my eyes on you, and I'm going to keep running the race with endurance in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Verse 2, again, Hebrews 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Endured the cross. Have you yet endured a cross? Have you, have you endured that type of beating, that type of misery? Anyone? I guess I'm, I wouldn't be asking you if you had, would I? <laughs> but that's who you want to look to, the one that went through it on our behalf. He went through it on our behalf. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice Jesus endured the callings and purposes of God in his life for the joy. Everyone say, for the joy that was set before him. Now just take a moment and throughout this week, just go back to that and ponder that and try to wrap your mind around that. It's kind of pretty difficult to do, what all that may entail. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What might that joy, what was, what was that when Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured all the hostility, all the beatings, all the false accusations, the whippings and the beatings on the cross, he endured it all. He had every ability to call for legions of angels to come and to rescue him, but he chose not to because there was a joy set before him that gave him the ability to endure, to stay the course, to bear the pain. What was that joy? Then ask yourself, am I in that picture? 
What was that picture of joy? What was Jesus seeing when he said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured? Did he see me? Did he see you? Just think about that. Wrap your mind around what, what gave him the ability to endure. And don't give me the religious thing, well, he was God. He didn't die on a cross as God. He died on a cross as a man. So what did he see? And did he see me? Did he see you? Think about it. Think about it. He endured the cross, despised the shame. He saw something. Then asked God for clarity and for purpose for your life. Say, God, whatever it is that Jesus saw, whatever that joy that he had his eyes on, that gave him the ability to do what he did for all of humanity, I want some of that. I want that focus. What is it, God, that keeps me going? When it's misery, it's weeping, and it's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It seems I get out of one valley, I get to a mountain peak, the next thing you know, I'm in a valley of a shadow of death again. I'm walking through a valley of weeping and bitterness and one valley after another. What kept Jesus going? What gave him the strength, the discipline to put it all aside and to stay focused and to complete his mission? I believe that whatever that joy was, that you can have a piece of it. I believe that we fit into that picture somewhere. And not only do we fit into the picture that Jesus saw, but there's a picture for you. There's a mark. There's a goal. There's a destiny for you. And if you don't see it clearly, I believe we can be praying and asking God to see it clearly. This is my destiny. The scriptures tell us not to be ignorant of the will of God. And I believe that has ramifications for us. Don't be ignorant of the will of God, not being ignorant of God's word, but also not being ignorant of the will of God on a personal level, God's will for my life, God's will for your life. And the more we become solidified in what my purpose is, because when you know your purpose, there'll be an element of joy in that. You see yourself getting closer to it. You see yourself getting closer to it. I ran one marathon in my life. That was enough for me. I learned my lesson. <laughs> but I distinctly remember, it was the Harrisburg Marathon. I remember coming down the riverfront drive and then going across the bridge that goes out to the, the stadium where the, I forget their name, the, bas- the baseball team that plays out there. And I remember thinking, coming across that bridge, in my mind, in my mind, at the end of that bridge, that was the finish line. And I had my goal set on that, and I was reserving my energy because if anything I wanted to do, I just wanted to run across the line. I didn't want to walk across. I didn't want to crawl across. I wanted to run across. So I'm coming across the bridge. I mean, I'm, I am spent. I did not discipline myself and train the way I was told to. I'm thinking, why practice a 20-mile run the week or two weeks before your marathon? Save that for the marathon. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just being logical. I mean, why would I run 20 and then wait two weeks and run 26? 
So anyway, it didn't work out too well. Stick with the schedule if you want to do it. So I come across there, and to my disappointment, that was not the finish line. You had to turn right. You had to go all the way around the outfield of the baseball diamond and come around, and then the finish line was at that side. An outfield to a baseball diamond. You look at a picture of a baseball diamond, you go out and you see one thing. That's not that big a deal. I just ran almost 26 miles, and now I had to run around a baseball field. It was a big deal, (laughs) a really big deal. And I remember coming across, and just before I came out from behind the, the, the dugout on the third base side, I stopped behind the dugout wall. I was back at the wall. I can run across. I can run across. I can do it. I can run across. I don't know how long I stayed. It seemed like a very long time, but yet I didn't want to stay there a long time because I also had certain goals I wanted to do it. And finally, I found I had enough energy and enough breath. I came out from behind that dugout, a smile on my face. For the joy that was set before me, I ran across the finish line. But I almost got stuck in that valley of weeping. I thought, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. This is why am I doing this? Complaining and murmuring. But I pulled it together, and I came across smiling. And then as soon as I was across, I stopped smiling again. I was, now I'm looking for food. <laughs> but I was so late in the marathon that most of the food was consumed by all the runners that were disciplined. <laughs> I thought, boy, this sucks after running this hard, this long, and they're out of bagels. I thought, oh, my gosh. (laughs) So it pays to be disciplined, to lay aside every weight, and to run the race with endurance, to do it well, and enjoy all the benefits of it. But there's a joy. Find it. Discover it. And really, let's think about it this week. What was that joy that Jesus saw? I think it... One of us, he saw, he saw that Sunday night in Ackland, Pennsylvania, when I responded to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He saw that. That was part of what he saw. But I think he also saw the night or the day, the time that you did it as well. But you know what? He also saw a whole lot more people making that same commitment. So we have to keep running the race so many, many more people can make that same commitment because Jesus saw some things that aren't fulfilled yet. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So let's keep running. Not just for ourselves, but let's keep running for the lost, the hurting people, the brokenhearted, the people that are in need. Let's keep running for others. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for the race that you have set before us. Thank you, Lord God, that we can discipline ourselves and we can assess how we are doing. Each one of us individually, we can assess how we're doing corporately as a church. And Father, we purpose to do that. But also individually, Father, let's, let's just take a moment and let's assess how am I doing? And then how are we as a local church doing? And what ought we to be doing? And how can we sharpen our focus? And how can we more clearly see the end game to help discipline ourselves. So, Father, every person in here, young, middle-aged, older, doesn't matter, we all have a destiny. Help us to stay focused. Help us to keep looking to you as the author and the finisher of our faith. You've set the race before us, Father. Give us the ability to see it, the strength to endure it, 
and to complete it in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment, perhaps you're here today and you've never made the commitment to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you, know, you really sense that something you'd like to do today, you'd like to pray and receive forgiveness of your sin and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, receive the gift of eternal life. You've never done that before, but you'd like to do it. We, uh, we would love to pray with you. We call it a prayer unto salvation. We'll all pray it together. And if you'd like to be involved in it, would you just slip up your hand right where you're seated just to acknowledge that, yes, I'd like to be included in that prayer. I want to pray it from my heart today. Anyone at all? You want to join the race? You want to get in the race and run it with us? Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Anyone else? You can put it down. Thank you. Anyone else? Don't be embarrassed. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you. See that hand. Anyone else? All right. Well, praise God. Let's go ahead and sign these guys up to run the race with us. Are we ready? We're going to pray a prayer. You pray this prayer with us. You're praying it from your heart. The Bible says, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, he came from heaven to earth. He went to the cross. He shed his blood to forgive us of our sin. God raised him from the dead. The Bible says, if you believe this in our heart and we confess it with our mouth, we will be born again, meaning you have received the gift of eternal life. You become a new creation in God. All your sins are washed away. So let's pray. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your son, Jesus Christ. I believe with all my heart that he came from heaven to earth and that he went to the cross and shed his blood to cleanse me from all my sin. So I'm asking today to forgive me of all my sin, to make me a new creation. I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead and I choose to receive him into my life as my Lord and my Savior, raising me to newness of life. I declare it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Have a very uh, nice, safe Thanksgiving. Enjoy family, friends, and eat with wisdom and all those other good things. Safe travels for whoever's traveling, and we'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless you. Uh, Todd Booby, Todd, would you stand? Todd's going to minister the Word of God next Sunday morning, so come on out next Sunday. Praise God. We're excited to have him with us. Praise God. So God bless you all, and we'll see you next Sunday morning.